Hi, welcome back to All American Adoptee. My name is Annie, and you are listening to episode two, Middle School is Hell. Uh, on last episode, I talked about growing up as an adopted kid in elementary school and how, even though I didn't really know how to express it, I knew there was something different about me and, you know, being set apart from other kids because of that. And, you know, in elementary school, because I I lacked a lot of the language and experience, because, you know, I was like, you know, five to 10 years old, um, I really felt kind of neutral about my adoption. But going into middle school, I started to feel a lot differently. I started, started having more emotion towards being adopted. But unfortunately, I started feeling more negatively. And I started learning language to hurt myself. Um, I will be honest with you. This is going to be a very, very hard episode and uh, due to the content. Uh, it's just going to be hard for me to talk about this. <laughs> I really hated my middle school experience from the bottom of my heart, even if I didn't necessarily know it then looking back on it. When I reflect on this time period in my life, I feel I still feel a lot of shame and rejection from this time period. And, you know, I I have some reasons for that. And, you know, uh, I'll be talking about that today. But this is a period in my life I'd love to ignore. But it is, you know, three years of my life, and it's, you know, years that were critical to my development as a person. So it's not fair for me to ignore it and to uh, not acknowledge it. Um, But uh, that's just letting you know, we'll be talking about some serious, serious uh, uh, stuff today. (laughs) So... Going into middle school, so you probably saw the description of, despite being a Christian school, uh, middle school sure feels like hell. (laughs) Um, What ended up happening in middle school was, so originally in elementary school, I was in the public school system. You know, I went to a nearby elementary school that was like 10 minutes away from my house. You know, um, I rode the bus, you know, all, all that stuff. But my parents started becoming worried about me staying in public school. They were worried what it was going to do to, like, my faith and what it was going to do to my values. And, you know, and I think this was a big time of, like, um, you know, people talking um, on the radio and things like that. They heard things from other parents about how corrupt public school was. And, uh, spoiler alert, high school and middle school and public school is all you want it to be. Yeah, sure, there's terrible stuff about it, but it's your own individual choices that can really determine those quote-unquote values and things like that. But we'll get to that in a little while. So what ended up happening was they were talking to me uh, before I got into sixth grade. They were like, okay, we would love to move you into this kind of homeschool program. And I was like, no, I I would hate that. Um, You know, all my other friends are going to the public schools. Why can't I? And they were like, you know, they explained it to me. And they were like, we don't think you're getting, like, the best education. We don't, you know, we don't trust um, public schools anymore. We don't, you know, all this other stuff. 
Um, and I was really upset. I was like, oh man, I'm going to be separated from my friends and things like that. But, you know, one of the main things my parents told me, um, about the school I was about to enter was, um, that there were going to be more adopted kids. And if you are, you know, a Christian or you grew up in that like Christian culture, you kind of understand why that might be kind of, I don't want to say a trend, but I want a pattern at least of Christian families adopting from third world countries. Um, so, you know, they told me that and I was, I w- and I agreed to this because I was really that I was really excited for at least that aspect. I was like, maybe finally I'm going to have someone who feels the same way I do, or I can talk about being adopted or I don't at least feel alienated, you know, alienated by being adopted and they're going to be a part of my daily life. So uh, I agreed and we go into this. It, it was a weird program. You would go home three days a week. You would do work then and then you would go to the actual school, school in quotes, because we didn't actually have a building or anything, the school. Um, and you would you would get taught there by teachers and parents and other things like that. So, um, uh, so sixth grade comes, it's my first day. And I remember this so clearly. The first day of sixth grade was horrific. I had such a bad first day. And I think that kind of sets the tone for the rest of my middle school experience. Again, I'm not saying I never had good experiences in middle school or anything like that, but I do think this the themes I saw in um, on my first day would remain prevalent through the rest of the three years I was going to be there. So I remember in sixth grade, um, the adopt there were no adopted kids in my grade. They were all significantly younger than me, um, so I, I wouldn't really be able to connect with them at all. And you know, it was I was going from a diverse environment, a public school, to a nearly homogeneous one. And what I mean by that is I went from, you know, having kids of, of all sorts of different backgrounds and ethnicities and races to a pretty much all white school, <laughs> say for like a couple people. And when I mean a couple people, I mean like a couple people. <laughs> and, you know, I felt like alone. I felt alone. And then on that first day of school, no one talked to me. No one said welcome. No one said hello. No one greeted me and I felt so I felt so out of place and I, I remember coming home to my mom and crying and being like I hated that like, do I have to go back and she was like yes you do you, it'll get better I'm sorry you had a bad first day but you will get better and you will make friends um and that you know that did happen I did make one or two friends while I was at that middle school but you know, for the most part, it was a K through 12 program, I believe. And, you know, most of these kids had been there with each other since like kindergarten. So they already made their friends. And it was, it was hard. I I felt like I was the only one starting a new leaf, essentially. And but no one really wanted to reach out and talk to me. And that was very, very difficult. So, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm put in the stressful environment, and I, I, I don't know what to do with myself, and I don't know why uh, people treat me this way. 
Um, there is a point in middle school, it was early middle school, I want to say, you know, this was like 2011 through 2014, I was at this school. Um, you know, we're starting to see the rise of like social media and, and um, starting to get more exposure to other people's experiences and things like that through the internet. And I remember um, as I'm, you know, starting to get into that, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about what's like to be a person of color. And I remember reading that so distinctly um, and reading that and being like, oh, I have, you know, reading stories like that, being like, oh, I have no idea what that's like because I'm not a person of color. <laughs> and then I remember looking in the mirror and being like, oh, my gosh, I am a person of color. Have I had experience like that? Maybe I have. You know, maybe you know, I, I was like, for the first time in my life, I was, I, I was like, I'm Asian. People see me as Asian. And that was such a shock to me. I, I don't know. I think in my mind, I kind of had this white girl in the mirror, but that's not true. And, and that would be, that would start to become more prevalent as I got older, how uh, I was becoming more self-aware of how I appeared to people. And so to my classmates, you know, nearly all white, um, I was, you know, the only Asian girl for um, most of the grades, uh, pretty much. And that was hard. And I explained before in the last episode how I always sought out people uh, who looked like me. I sought to make friends that way and because I thought they would relate to my experiences. And even then, I, I just looked, um, I don't know, um, I just... Uh, I just didn't find the friendships I did in elementary school and my middle school. Um, so here's, uh, so I, I remember uh, this interaction. <laughs> it was, this is such a bad interaction. So there was one other girl in my class and she is Filipino. And, but you know, I didn't know that or whatever, but I remember seeing her in my class and going up to her one day and being like, are you adopted? And she, I remember her response, she was like, no. She said that like super offendedly. And I, I was so jarred. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm sorry. And I like walked off and we didn't never talked again until later on in, um, in school. And I felt humiliated. I felt like I, I didn't understand why she reacted so strongly. And, um, I'll talk about this later. The, um, how people view adoption and their preconceptions of adopted kids, um, why some people feel so negatively about adoption. Um, but that was like one of my first interactions with someone being really disgusted by, you know, asking if you're adopted. And, you know, that made me feel really bad. And I, <laughs> I thought about that for a long time. Um, but, you know, I, I, I moved past it. Um, of course, you know, as I stated earlier, there were other adopted kids in the school, just not, there was one other girl um, who was in my grade who was adopted, but she shortly transferred out, um, but, you know, we never really talked, um, and part of me regrets that, but I'll explain that later. So here's the scene. So I'm in a new environment. 
it feels hostile, it feels lonely, and it feels uncomfortable. And again, I don't think like my sixth grade peers were intending for that to be, you know, to be malicious towards me or anything, but it just came off that way, how they didn't interact with me for a while or they didn't, um, I just didn't feel accepted. Um, so I started acting out in middle school. And what I mean by acting out, I mean like I started coping with this stressful environment on my own and not in necessarily in a healthy manner. Um, I won't go into too much of what I did for coping mechanisms because I, I find that pretty private, but it was bad. It was noticeable. It was uncomfortable to the people around me. Um, but in my eyes, you know, I wasn't hurting them. Uh, it, you know, I wasn't hurting myself. I, I just, um, I just wanted comfort. Um, and, you know, no one really told me like necessarily that was wrong or whatever until, um, you know, middle school. And, you know, I remember being pulled aside by my math teacher who was such a sweet woman to me in middle school. She honestly treated me very well. And I wish I thanked her. I wish I could thank her, um, for what she did for me in middle school. Uh, she was very gentle with me. She was very patient and I really appreciated that. Um, now looking back, um, but I remember she pulled me aside with like another school teacher and she was like, Hey, we saw you were acting in this way. You know, you can't do that. So don't do that. <laughs> and, you know, I was just kind of like, you know, kind of weirded out by that. I was like, I don't really understand. And one of the things I remember, like when I would, when I got that confrontation was no one really explained to me what was wrong with my behavior. They just said that was wrong. And I didn't see any inherent harm with that behavior. It was just how I was coping. And, and it was just something that made me feel better. And, you know, again, it wasn't causing harm to other people. It just made them kind of uncomfortable. And, you know, none, none of my actions were explained to me. So, you know, when she said that, I was just like, okay, well, I won't do it in front of you because it, you voiced uncomfort, uh, uncomfortableness with it, but uh, I'm going to keep, you know, doing what I do. Um, and we're, I'm going to talk about this now, um, how my parents eventually handled that. Um, so I remember coming down from class one day after school and I got in the car and my mom was in there and she was crying. And I was like, I was like, why are you crying? What's the matter? And she said, why didn't you tell me you've been behaving and acting out? And I was just really like confused. I was like, what are you talking about? She was like, your headmistress called me up and said, you've been acting inappropriately in the classroom. And I was just like, kind of baffled. She was like, you know, Annie, everybody's like noticed and things like that. And it's not good. And you just, um, you just disregarded, you know, the warnings from teachers and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I was just kind of dumbfounded and I, I was really upset and we were both, we were both really upset. And she said, you know, she got called up and they told her what happened. And, you know, um, and she said she was just kind of 
disappointed in me. And that was really, really hard. So, you know, as a sixth grader, I didn't, again, I didn't, I didn't have the language to express like, well, you didn't explain to me why it was wrong. You just told me it was wrong and I don't see any inherent harm in it. Um, you just keep telling me it's wrong and it's wrong and I, I don't understand, um, why, it, why my coping mechanism is so bad. It just makes me feel better. Um, you know, I, I couldn't express that. So I'm sitting there, you know, 11 years old with my mom and she's talking about how she's disappointed with me. And I feel, you know, for first time and, um, first time in a long time, or at least, um, the first time I was able to, ex um, put words to it, I felt ashamed. And so, you know, she, my mom keeps talking and she goes, your math teacher, you know, your headmistress wanted to wants to kick you out. She wants to expel you on the spot. She doesn't want to do anything with us. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, um, I'm you know, sorry. I'm like, I'm trying to process all this. And um, my mom continues and she says, but your math teacher, you know, the one who addressed the problem in the beginning, um, she came to your defense and she told your headmistress that, um, that no, 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 Annie's not, you know, she's not disgusting. She's not, you know, she's not, this isn't something that's to be, um, punished so severely, not like that. That's not going to do anything for her. It's going to make her feel, you know, it's going to do damage to her psychologically and mentally. We can't, you know, the way Annie's acting out is very similar to, you know, she's talking, she's like, uh, it's very similar to other adopted kids I worked with. They behaved in the exact same way when they were put into stressful environments or, you know, they just cope that way because it feels good and it makes them feel secure, you know? This is not unusual for Annie. You know, like, this is not something unordinary. This is not something we can't handle. We can definitely handle this. We can definitely help her get back on the right track to better help healthy coping mechanisms. And when my mom told me that, as wonderful as my math teacher was and how she came to my defense and all that, what I unintentionally did um, in that moment was I linked this shameful feeling to being adopted. So I thought to myself, oh, I'm having these problems because I'm adopted. And, you know, it's and that was hard. <laughs> that was really, really hard. I started feeling a lot of shame about being adopted. I thought to myself, well, I guess I wouldn't have this problem. I wouldn't, you know, my mom wouldn't be crying about this. My parents wouldn't be mad at me about this if I wasn't adopted. And my parents did their best to handle this situation. It was hard at first. And I can't, you don't, <laughs> this is hard because this is the second episode. So you don't have a lot of context of how my parents have taken care of me over the years. You know, at this point, it's like 11 years into my life. And I have, you know, I've experienced love and care and, and positive reinforcement um, throughout, you know, my life. 
and never, you know, in that period were they ever like, were ashamed because you're adopted or they never used that as a weapon against me or anything like that. They always just been my parents. But sometimes parents make mistakes. And I think with this kind of a situation, um, there were some things I, as an adult now, would love to explain to them why that some of the decisions they made were harmful. So, you know, um, so, you know, my, my mom was like, okay, you know, you're not going to leave the school. We're going to keep you in the school. And part of me just wanted to be like, I don't want to be in this school anymore. You know, I, the headmistress thinks I'm disgusting and I'm vile and I'm, um, a, a, you know, she's horrified by me. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be in this environment anymore. But my mom said, she's like, you are going to keep with it and we're going to keep you in this program because it's been good for you academically. Um, and we're going to get rid of your coping mechanism. And so this is how some of the nuanced areas of my parents and I relationship kind of appear because how they handled with trying to get, you know, get rid of this harmful behavior was through negative reinforcement. And, you know, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but um, the way that some of the situation was handled just kind of reinforced my shame in being adopted. So, you know, every time I wanted to cope, I was like, no, you can't do that. That's disgusting. Or don't, you know, you only do this thing because you're adopted. And I want to preface this right now. Um, when I got older and I went to an adopted, adoptive therapist, uh, someone who specializes in adoption therapy, you know, when I talked to her about this period in my life, she turned to me and she was like, Annie, you know, you shouldn't feel shame for having that cope those coping mechanisms for that behavior. Yes, it, it's, you know, it's inappropriate. It, it's not um, behaviorally right, but it's not an adopted only thing. Any kid can have this behavior. Any kid in any situation, particularly kids who have suffered trauma, which adoption is, can develop this behavior. You're not disgusting because you're adopted. You're not, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. And anyone who thinks, oh, well, Shirley acts that way because she's adopted, that's inherently wrong because biological kids can act that way, too. And they do act that way sometimes if they've experienced stressful, uh, harmful of events early in their childhood. So don't you know, you, you can you don't have to think that way anymore. You can um, you can breathe. You can. Get rid of that burden you've been holding. You don't have to be ashamed about being adopted because that's not an adopted specific problem. And, you know, um, so that, you know, but during that time period in middle school, you know, I didn't have that information, nor did I have that, um, you know, someone telling me that I, you know, I felt bad. <laughs> 
And that's, you know, what negative reinforcement is supposed to do. It, 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 it was guilt. It was shame. It was, um, it was punishment. And, you know, it was trying to suppress that coping mechanism. And I did. <laughs> um, but every time I wanted to act on it, I felt bad. So that was kind of the hardest part I want to say about middle school was kind of having this um, looming thing over my head being like, you know, this is how you appear to people. People think you're gross because you're adopted. They think you're strange because you're adopted. You only act strange because you're adopted. You know, uh, adopted kids are strange is the bottom line. But that's not true as I've gotten older. And hopefully through this podcast, I will explain I will explain to you, the audience, um, how that's not so. Uh, but I started becoming angry at, like, God and my parents for making me this way, in quotes. Um, I thought all my problems would have been fixed if I just wasn't adopted. Um, and I wish I could tell my younger self that, um, it was going to, everything was going to be okay. I wish I, I could tell her that, you know, in middle school, my self-esteem just tanked <laughs> it. I mean, all, I'm pretty sure everyone's self-esteem in middle school tanked. Um, no one, no one peaks in middle school. No one looks at middle school that fondly or anything. I just think that's the nature of growing up. But for me, it started being mixed with my identity, so much of my identity. So not only was I ashamed about being adopted, I was also becoming ashamed of being Asian. And, you know, I remember talking to my mom. Um, okay, so I was one of those girls. And what I mean by one of those girls, I was not like other girls. You know, that harmful mindset of, oh, well, I don't like feminine things and feminine things are inferior to whatever I was into. Um, all that stuff. I was really so I really rejected like fashion and makeup. And, you know, my sister was like in high school and she wanted to play with my face and all that stuff. But I wouldn't let her. I was like, makeup's gross. That's for girls. And I don't want to be like a girl and whatever. Um, and I remember my mom and I were having an argument about like what I was going to wear or something. And she was like, Annie, do you feel like you're not as pretty as the white, as other, like your white peers? Is that why you're rejecting taking care of yourself or dressing up so harshly? Um, I didn't have the language I have now, but maybe looking back, that was the case. Um, you know, I, you know, this goes back to representation. I didn't see a lot of Asian representation, Asian adopted representation in the media. So I have no, I, to me, I've never seen a beautiful Asian woman, Asian girl like me. And um, not to say there weren't existing at the time. I just, you know, I didn't have uh, any role models for that. And, um, so I started purposely othering myself, and that goes back to what I said I felt like I was not like other girls. And you know what? I wasn't like other girls 
you know, uh, in that school at least. And, um, I just felt so isolated. So I, I kind of put that on as a defense, I think, you know, being like, well, if they're not going to accept me, I'm just going to do whatever I like. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do what I like. And if it's weird to other kids, I don't care anymore. I, they don't, they didn't accept me in the beginning. They're not going to accept me now. So, you know, I, I had a couple friendships in middle school. They were few and far between, but, you know, they were still friendships. And I still appreciate those people that, you know, were nice to me. And I wish part of me, if I was more, I wish I could tell myself that, not to not be insecure or something, because that's not a solution, but um, that I should be more confident, at least, in my own skin and what I liked and how I could share that with other people without being having superiority complex, pretty much. Um, you know, I, there, there were nice people there, and I had nice moments with a lot of my peers, and Again, I don't think any of them were trying to be malicious towards me. It was just kind of unintentional. And it, it was just a lot of things mixed together uh, that ended up having culminating into this really bad experience I call middle school. And, you know, I would love to go back and tell my younger self the things I know about myself now. You know, I would tell her what my therapist told me. I would tell her that there are other beautiful Asian women and you look like them and you you have beauty and you have um you have a spark you have you have every reason to hold your head up high um and maybe middle school would have been more bearable maybe i would have been able to open up i was so closed off in middle school i was so defensive about myself and the things i was into and my hobbies and maybe that's could be you know like um a back and forth sort of thing. People didn't like me um, as much because I was so closed off. I was so unfriendly. And, um, you know, and, and the more cold they got, the more defensive I got. And it would just become the cycle that would perpetuate itself. So I would love to go back and tell my younger self, hey, you can talk to them. You can relate to them. You know, you might have different experiences, but your core you're still 12 year old kids you know um you should enjoy yourself while you can when you're young you you know um I know you're dealing with mature themes right now you're dealing with trauma and you're dealing with coping mechanisms and how do you deal with feeling uncomfortable and feeling unsafe in an environment but you know um things will get better and people are good you know, not not all people are good, but there are good people out there who care about you and respect your experiences and um, respect you and think your quirks and uh, weird, you know, mannerisms are endearing. And so, you know, I, I struggled through sixth and seventh, eighth, and eighth grade and eighth grade, I made the decision, I'm going to a public school. And, you know, um, all the other eighth grade girls were like talking about where they were going to go to uh, high school. High school was an option at 
um, you know, I told you it was a K through 12 program. So you could continue in this program in high school. A lot of other girls were going to do that. And my parents were thinking about it, but I was like, no, I I don't ever want to feel the way I feel in this environment again. I This is my chance to start anew and start anew with other people who are also starting a new leaf. This is a good transition period. So, you know, I really thought about it and I really formulated an argument for my parents. I was like, okay, I want to go to public school because I want to go back to a diverse environment, a diverse, um, you know, diversity of ethnicity, diversity of race, diversity of backgrounds. You know, I'm not going to be in this household for much longer. I'm going to go off to college one day. I'm going to go into the real world. You can't shelter me from that all the time. And, you know, I'd rather figure it out when I'm 14 and in your household than when I'm 18, 19 on a college campus alone. And my parents were kind of hesitant, you know, you know, they were, (laughs) if you've grown up in Christian culture, especially Southern Baptist, conservative Christian culture, you know, some of the arguments against public school, you know, uh, they say it's, you know, there's dangerous rhetoric going around or, you know, evolution is bad or, you know, climate change isn't real, but they teach that in public school, you know, all that stuff. And essentially the consensus was um, public school is a cesspool. And, you know, my parents were like, oh, we're really worried. We're really worried you're going to lose your good values, <laughs> which I will talk about later how my values did change. And I do think they changed for the better, uh, both politically and morally. Um, but whatever, we'll get to that. But I was like, you know, you know, I think I have the ability to discern what's right and what's wrong. And you need to trust me. And I feel capable of handling this. I don't think I'm going to change that drastically. And I don't think I'm going to stop being, you know, a morally upright person because I go to a public school. Lots of kids go to public school. Not every single public schooler is a bad person, you know. And so I pleaded with them. They thought about sending me to a larger Catholic uh, private school. You know the type. I was like, no. Um, A little side note. So my sister didn't go to public school. She went to private school virtually her entire life. Um, And in high school, this is what I mean by, like, representation and stuff. I love my sister. Uh, I'm going to make that clear. I love my sister. I love her as a person. And, you know, she was always, like, one of the first people behind me when it comes to uh, my experiences and talking about adoption and being so supportive of that. But I noticed as a young child when she would bring her friends home that not a single one of them would be a person of color, not that I know of. And I knew what kind of school she's went to. And so when my parents were like, do you want to go to a school like your sister's? They're bigger. There's more girls there. You could definitely relate to them. And I thought and I thought about all my sister's friends. You know, it's still a nearly homogeneous white school. I was like, no, thank you. (laughs) That would not be a fit for me. Please let me go to public school. 
Um, and I'm going to tell you now because that's the next episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about the pros and cons of public high school and some of the crazy things I went through there. Um, but I will let you know that that was probably one of the best decisions of my life, uh, cons and all, with public school. Pu- uh, public high school did wonders for me. And, you know, it's a process. I didn't change immediately. I didn't, you know, um, I still experienced some harmful events in my life, but it was not like middle school at all. And, you know, I am so thankful for all the experiences I had in, during that time. So thank you for listening. Um, do uh, turn uh, tune in to the next episode if you'd like. Um, if you would like updates, I made an Instagram ac- account called All American Adoptee. Um, if you want to follow for updates and um, see some of the things I do behind the scenes, that would be greatly appreciated. So thank you.